0: Hello and welcome back. Thank you for uh, listening to another podcast of the Gospel Rescue Mission. Here we are having another part of our conversation with Mr. Kevin Darr. Let's give a listen.
1: We want, as you were saying, uh, to become that new creation in Christ because the way I see it is people come into our programs, they could be actively using. The moment they come and quit using, they become ex-addicts and over time and consistency they become this new creation in Christ you know whereas society if someone back in their past 20 years ago was an addict you know once an addict always an addict right. i do not believe that for a moment just going to go
0: there i'm so glad you and i think so much alike yes
1: yeah, Keep going. It, well, and it's like, um, and I tell my guys that all the time. I was like, don't let society label you as an addict or as an, an adulterer or as, you know, even had guys in that were murderers or whatever. Felons. Yeah. yeah yes. It, so what? That's your past. Society wants to... You know, um they want to label you with all that. But no, over this time and consistency, and you can have your last drink or your last shot or whatever it is, and you become this new creation in Christ, and you can have victory over all of that. Oh. That's the good news. Um, And it's not only—it's it, the great news in the sense that, you know, a lot of these other more, for lack of a better term, secular programs— they say, you know, you're an addict, you'll always be an addict, you're just not an active addict or whatever. And to me, that just drives me nuts. It's like, um, let's give... Let's give them some hope of knowing that someday they can have victory over this.
0: To and me, this can. is we're, our our culture is so in need of understanding. What does forgiveness mean, and 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 what is what does change mean? You know, I mean, you watch you watch people that are you know that uh, you watch this this circus going on in our political world where where they're taking guys they're going back through their their high school yearbook guys in their 50s and 60s going back through their high school yearbook to dig up some kind of trash on them and then and then shut them down today because of something they did then and i'm thinking Nobody stands up to that standard. And nobody, absolutely nobody. And what you really need is not to, is not to crush everybody, not to cancel everybody that's ever made a mistake. What you want to do is see change. And, and you know, I get we get heat here because sometimes I'll I have, you know, probably at any given point in time, I have somewhere around 10% of my resident population um, in the men's house, anyways, and, and sometimes even in the women's house where I've got registered sex offenders. And, um, you know, I I always hesitate bringing that up because because then everybody wants to know who and where and blah, 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 and they get all panicky and and everything in there. How could you let those people in there? And I go, man, let me tell you something. First of all, there is nobody on the planet that you want more to change than a sex offender. Absolutely. right you want them to change you want them to have a different life you want them to be you want them to to recognize the error of their ways to regret it to try and make things right in any way they can and to be a different person moving forward to change those things but there is this idea that they can just never change and and despite the fact that all the recidivism rates show that they can change in fact that they're better at it than most felons if given the opportunity and and so it's there's there's so much information out there that says, man, these guys don't, and, and I'm with you. I, I hate sitting in an AA meeting or an NA meeting, and I and I sit in there listening because I'm supporting somebody that's there and I'm listening to them, and somebody goes, hi, my name's Bob. Everybody goes, hi Bob, Emma, I'm, you know, today I'm getting my. My 25-year pen, uh, I'm, I'm an alcoholic and an addict, and, and here's my 25-year sobriety pen. And to me, it's just like, a, you know, that record scratch, you know, and I'm like, wait, wait a minute, what? You haven't been doing this for 25 years And you're still calling yourself an addict and, you know, an alcoholic and an addict or whatever. I'm going, no, I'm sorry, but this, you don't, you no longer meet that definition anymore. You're a changed man. Absolutely. And shouldn't that be, I mean, we, if, if we were talking about, if we were talking about women changing in prostitution for leaving prostitution behind, um, the culture would find a sympathetic, there's a there's a sympathy bone there, and they would go, and they would go, oh, they shouldn't have to wear a scarlet letter. These people, these ladies, you know, they may have done these things and they start to justify their reasons for why they did it. They justify all the bad, you know, by, by all the bad circumstances they had. They tell this narrative, they'd automatically fill in all those gaps, but they can't do it for a felon. And they can't do it for a, they can't do it. Certainly not a male uh, sex offender right. um, because being a prostitute is a sex offense. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a crime and it should be. Right. And, and, um, and so, but that doesn't mean that people can't, change. And that's the thing. This is the thing that I think is unique to Christian organizations and such good news. Why Why I'm excited to hear about somebody going to U-Turn for Christ or coming into the Gospel Rescue Mission who's, you know, man, they got an ugly past. And I'm with you. I've had murderers in here. I've had people that spent, you know, two decades in prison for crimes they committed. Um, and and they come in here and they are so stunned. That we just love on them, that we treat them, we treat them well. I mean, we're we're rigorous. I mean, it's not a it's not a sit down kind of a program, you know. I mean, this is you are going to get a life of your own. It will be independent when you're when you leave here. You're going to leave into independence because um, I'm not interested. Because in, going back, circling back around to you had talked about when somebody comes into the hospital because of a cut on their arm or something like that. We're not. We're, we're not, we're, we're like the ER, you know, and, and the way I know that if I'm an ER doctor that I'm doing my job is if I'm sending the patient out in better condition than they came in. And, and I really need to get them stable and 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 on their way toward healing, you know, and, and get them, get the right people around them, the right circle of, of things that may include that I, I get them in touch with a counselor or, a, a you know, a, some kind of a service provider or several of them in the community or whatever, but all those things have to come together to make that person successful and included in that is is a story, a biblical worldview that I need to get them exposed to, to hear that you're more than just some kind of, um, you know, meat machine, you know, that that seems to be like the the cultural narrative in so many ways, you're you're just this... um, (laughs) For you know, you're just random activity, random electronic pulses and stuff going through stardust that's all glommed together. And because at that point in time, if they believe that about themselves, then there is nothing wrong or right about what they do. There's nothing, there's no moral compass to be had. This is just a series of choices. And and even those aren't even your choices. You're just following whatever the impulses that are flowing through your system. Yeah, you're is,
1: predisposed you know? to them. And and that's another thing, you know, that I think is unique to Christian organizations and I would almost assume that you would agree with what I'm about to say is uh, society has kind of taken personal responsibility away from individuals, right? So, you know, um, addiction is a disease, right? um, right. which is, to me, the biggest bunch of hogwash there is. No, addiction is a choice that... Mm you know, well, a series of bad choices that led them to a place where, uh you know, that they're addicted to whatever it is. And so by telling them it's a disease, it's not their fault. You know, right. they have no personal responsibility. And so it's that same mindset that we're talking about here with homelessness or whatever. It's not, you know, it... it we don't hold them to an account for their personal responsibility. If we don't hold – it's like a child. If we don't train them up in the way they should go um, and we don't hold them responsible for it, then they're never going to be able to make appropriate
0: decisions. Well, if I have a disease, then it's just my diagnosis. You know, if, if this is and, – and I've talked to numerous guys who come in and go, well, I'm, I'm an addict, and you go, well – Okay, but stop. And they go, Well well but I you know, I come from a long line of addicts. My father was an addict, his grand my grandfather was an addict and everything. I go, Great. So stop. Yeah. And and they go, No, you don't understand. It's in it's in my DNA. You know, I was born this way. And I go, Well, you know, now there's some things that we could agree on in some of that. You know, I, I agree that you were born with a lot of these things, but that doesn't mean that you know you don't have to stay the way you were born at, at every Point and turn. And, and, uh, and, and then, you know, I go, it's, don't be resigned. I hear this a lot with, especially with, um, with uh, mental health diagnosis. It's like, it's like, oh, I have depression. And and I go, well, how did you get that? You know, I mean, let me, let me guess. You touched a doorknob that somebody else that had depression touched and they weren't wearing a mask at the time and you caught their depression, right? Right. Or, or you got, you got your alcoholism, uh, you got a, you got a, you, you gave a hug and shared a coffee mug with somebody who had a bad case of the alcoholics, right? And, 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 you know, when you talk about it like that, they, they look and, and anybody who's, I'm telling you, there's, there's probably, you know, counselors who've been trained in kind of, in kind of, uh, you know, non-Christian, uh, more more secular counseling, they're probably grinding their teeth at us right now going, oh, no, it's a disease, it's a disease. And there are people who are committed to their drunkenness, to their substance abuse, who are also going, you can't tell me it's not a disease because to believe that means that I'm on the hook for the choices that I make. And, exactly. and right now, if I can tell, if I can believe it's a disease, then I'm not, then it's not my... I'm, I can't help it. It's just what I do. And, and I listen to so many guys that, that have been kind of schooled in that kind of counseling, you know, I mean, not, not counselors, but people who've been counseled for long periods right. of time with that kind of therapy. And, and they're just as stuck in it as they ever were. And they just go, Oh, you know, no, it's, it's part of my, it's part of my cycle. It's what I do. I just, I, you know, I relapse every, you know, so often and, and I can't help it and everything. And I go, man, what a hopeless, hopeless, miserable way to, to imagine the world works, you know? And, and I'm like, man, what if, what if I told you that you actually could just stop doing that? You know, that you don't have to listen to your DNA. You don't have to listen to, you don't, and you don't have to listen to any of that stuff. And that's even assuming that it's even in your DNA, because right. we've never figured out, you know, they, they might go, well, yeah, see, we studied all these, uh, these alcoholics, and they're, they have DNA evidence of, you know, pr- these same kind of switches go on in their DNA, and you go, yeah, but is it a cause or is it a symptom?
1: Well, that's just it, and that's what I was going to say. And for, let's say, for the sake of argument, we say somebody is predisposed to alcoholism. Yeah. That doesn't mean they have to drink. That doesn't that doesn't mean that because they are predisposed to it, uh, that if they would have never cracked that first bottle open that they would ever been came an alcoholic. There's still a choice that led them down this path. And somebody who is predisposed to it even should even be that much more uh, you know, on guard as far as making sure they don't go down that road. You know, if you've seen your your dad and your mom and your grandpa and your brothers were all alcoholics. And you you knowing that, you decided to take that first drink out of rebellion or whatever it is. You started a chain of events that led to where you are. So regardless if, if they want to call it a disease or you're predisposed, you still have responsibility in the sense that um, you started the chain of events, and if right. you would have never taken that first drink that you knew you were predisposed to, then, you, I mean, that would be like, take any uh, highly uh, addictive substance. Um, that would, if someone says, well, you know, I have the disease of heroin addiction. Right. Well, it's a highly addictive substance, and you tried it for recreation, and now... You've lost everything because of it. What do you expect? And-, well, and, and here's the
0: thing that they never seem to be able to answer, and I don't, I don't get this, is like, okay, so let's work with heroin. So the heroin addicts, so, so you know, if, if what we're talking about is some kind of a chemical hook that's tied to your DNA or, you know, tied or not tied just because of the power of the chemistry alone, if that's what it was, then how come... Everybody that goes in and has, you know, hip replacement surgery doesn't walk out heroin addicts because they were on morphine for the pain. And morphine's like the purest form of opiate that we've got, you know, and right. and, and or one of them anyways. And and so why don't they come out instantly chemically hooked? But they don't. Yeah. They don't. Now, some of them may later on, you know, Start becoming abusers of of uh, opiates, if you know, in their pills or something like that later on. But even then, it's a very very small percentage, and and when you look at that, you go, and were there other circumstances that led to that? You know, you go, well, right. oh, did they come home to a bad home life? Did they come home with bad relational situation? I bet you, you know, I mean, the studies and these are the things that there's there's not enough studies to to get all the details in, but there's enough to tell us that uh, that there's more than just raw chemistry going oh, on here.
1: Absolutely, and anecdotally, you know, over the years of, of seeing exactly what you're saying, like, for instance, when I broke my hip,
0: mm-hmm.
1: having dealt with so many people who were addicted to opiates or mm-hmm. whatever, um, you know, I couldn't wait to get off the pain medication because the more you use it, the more chance there is of becoming addicted to any substance, you know? And so for me, mentally, I knew as soon as I can somewhat bear the pain, I was off of all the opiates, didn't want a part of it. In fact, I wouldn't even keep them in my house. First thing I did was, you know, as soon as I got to the point where I could um, survive on Tylenol, those opiates were out of the house, you know, type of thing. And, And so... If I'm someone who is uh, didn't have an issue with opiates, was going to that extreme to make sure, um, you know, that there was no chance that I could ever get addicted or, or you know, have issues with them. How much more so should someone who should we hold someone accountable who does have an active addiction to it? How much more accountability should we have? With that person, how much more higher standards should we hold them to, knowing that they're in an active struggle with it? So, mm-hmm. to me, all those arguments and and all the negatives people say, for instance, about you know the Gospel Rescue Mission or U-turn because we're too stringent and we require these things. Well, we require it because it's what nece- it's necessary to transition them from active addiction to overcoming. And
0: and, he, and the thing the thing is you know that not just in theory and this is this is the difference between you know this is the difference with you and I be, between us and and so many other. Um, you know, we're not just talking. I mean, the the average the the average um, uh, armchair quarterback that's sitting that's that's driving in their car right now, listening to this on our podcast or something, that is um, that's that's sitting there going, no, no, no. It, 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 you know, they need this or they need that, and you go, well, how do you know? Well, because I knew somebody that was addicted, or I, I have a friend that's you know, I got a family member that's you know, addicted or whatever. I maybe for me, I, I had to come over. You're talking about an experience. How long have you been doing this kind of work? I've been doing personally,
1: personally about twelve. We I founded U Turn here in Oregon uh, about thirteen years ago.
0: Okay, so you and I have been really close to about the same time frame in in our um, in our working, you know, personally at this level, and and of those, I mean, how many people would you say you've seen? Just a rough guess actually walk away from bad choices to you know commitments to uh, drunkenness and and substance abuse how many people have you seen walk away from that oh
1: well, there's been hundreds it can be done and the thing that I love and I think one of the most powerful um, parts of that is not hearing about um, you know uh, the power of 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 God in my life someone who, never really had an active addiction. sure. But raising up men who have been successful, um, who helped me run the program to be able to say, you know what, I once was you, I once struggled with the same things you're struggling with, and you can, I'm proof that it is possible. You know, that kind of... Uh, testimony and that that kind of witness to someone who's struggling saying, you know, I had that same heroin addiction that you had, yep. and I've been clean, and I have my own company, and I have all these different things. Now, you know, that just seem impossible in that moment, you know, that that peer yeah. counseling, that peer For sure. is, is so powerful. And there's so many out there. So that's what I, I, that's I think. That's the part
0: too for yeah. for me. I say the I say the exact same thing. I'm I'm like I, I always try and get guys, you know, anytime and a lot of them are reticent to come on camera and and, and or, or sit behind a microphone. But I, I'm always kind of going, hey, but let me tell you your testimony means more than mine in many ways. And, you know, mine, I can sit there and say we're a great organization. We do great work. I'm paid to say that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're paid yeah. to say that stuff. You, you know, you, you believe in it. Um, and, and I believe in it. But when I have. And, and I, you know, when we talk about hundreds uh, of, of people, I mean, literally hundreds and hundreds of, of men and women who've come through our program, who, who have circled back around to do exactly that, who've come back around and said, you know what, um, you know, maybe Brian's never been addicted to, you know, alcohol or drugs or, or, or whatever, um, He's still a jerk but but he's but but he's not been addicted to, in in those ways or whatever but um but I was and I followed what Brian's saying I followed what what Kevin is saying and and because of that I was able to get away from this stuff I was able to become you know to find a normal life again I was able to become to reenter society I had broken relationships that are now healed I had I you know I I I remember one time I was—and this was right after I first started. There was a guy that had come into uh, the Gospel Rescue Mission when we were in our old location at 8th and E Street— and he come in, um, he had, he was, he was drinking hard. he had. he had come in, he was really tore up. He had just gotten, I think he had just gotten out of jail. Um, his wife had, had, you know, called, he had violated a restraining order or something along those lines. Um, he'd lost his wife and kids basically because of his drinking problem. And, um, and I walked with this guy, we, you know, we let him in, he was really broken. And, um, We let him in and, and, and he was one of the early successes in, in my, you know, in my time, uh, here. Um. Just he 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 did really well. He ended up finding work. He ended up you know getting out and, and uh, you know he ended up working with his uh, in his church, connecting with a church. Um. Where again, a lot of people underestimate the power of the just the counseling that's available in a church alone. I mean, Absolutely. that that doesn't cost you know anything to um to the organ health plan or doesn't cost anything to an insurance company. That that churches are just willing to come in and give good wise counsel and walk alongside. People, um, and and it's not always you know not all churches give great counsel, but but there are some that do really really well. And uh, anyways, I'm I, it was like about a year later, and I'm walking with my wife and kids at Nick, um, down here, big outdoor event um, here in Grants Pass, and and I'm out there and this big carnival atmosphere and everything, and I see this guy and I can't even remember his name. But he comes running. I hear him from the, from a distance. Brian, Brian, and and he comes over and and I'm like, hey, I recognize his face, and so I'm just kind of like, hey, brother, how you doing? <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm just trying to play it off, and and uh, and he goes do you remember me? And I said, I do. I said, I, I do remember you. And, and he says, remember how I was, I had lost everything because of my, because of my drinking and everything like that. And he I said, yeah. He said, man, you helped me so much. He said, I've not taken, a, I've, since I, the day that I walked in that gospel rescue mission, I've not drank anything. And he said, and, and check this out. He says, come here, let me, let me introduce you to my wife and kids. And they had been restored and, and they were just having fun, taking their kids out to a carnival and everything. And he and I are just just standing there in in the middle of boatnik, just bawling as we're hugging each other and 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 cheering each other on, you know and uh and it's those kinds of experiences that you just never get past. You're like this is this thing works
1: well, it does, and not only that you know if there was never another success story other than that guy and his restored family and those kids being raised up. Everything that the gospel rescue mission here in Grants Pass has ever done is worth it. Yeah. You know, and then you multiply that times hundreds and the ripple effect that that's going to have for all of the kids involved and all the, you know, parents and everything else, you know, that hundred becomes thousands that are healed and then even more um, that never end up in that lifestyle. Maybe his
0: kids never end up, you know, starting to take up drinking and never end up homelessness as a result in all that stuff. Maybe his wife, you know, now their marriage is healed. And so she doesn't just bounce into another abusive relationship, but they actually have a whole and happy marriage because of that. All kinds of things. And, and you, you break, you really can literally break the cycle that is Generations, I mean, here at the mission, we've had, we've had three generations under the same roof. Uh, We've had, we've had grandma, daughter, and grandkids. Um, in in the same house, you know, at the same time. And we've had it way more than once, um, you know. And, and so you you see this kind of stuff, this, this cycle that's just constantly self-perpetuating, their, their repeating behavior that they were taught by parents who were taught that by their parents and, and everything. And so we're here going, no, you got to do something different. And it's going to feel hard because it's very different from what you were doing. But it's in reality, here's what I know. It's not that hard. See, somehow you and I and probably, you know, 95% at least of everybody listening to this does all of our rules every single day without fail and does it like it's just second nature to them. You know, they're, they're, you know, they get up and they get up on time, they eat their meals on time, they 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 show up punctually to things that they that they say they're gonna do. They contribute to their to their household, the well-being of their household, they clean up after themselves, they do all those kinds of things. They they contribute to their community, whether it's either in in, in working and paying taxes or volunteering and, and doing other good things around the community. There's all these things that take place. They don't abuse drugs and alcohol. Alcohol And, you know, tobacco and, and those that use things that are legal can afford to do so. It's, it's, it's okay because they're, they're doing it in a way that's not, that's not, uh, excessive and they're doing it in a way that's, that's within their budget. And so, and so in those things, it's like, okay, they're not going to run themselves out on the street and, and everything. And all of these things happen every single day, all day, day in, day out. And, and, um, and that's what makes it work. You know, that's part of the the, the magic in the whole well, thing. Well, and
1: it is. And it, once again, it goes back to hope. Yeah. Um, you know, I think what we do is is we give uh, or show them that there is hope to overcome all this. Yeah. The, overcome the generations of, you know of addiction or whatever the case may be, because it's been the same in our organization. We've had, you know, we currently have a father and son in the, you know, in the ministry right now, Yep. you know, and it's one of those things where, you know what, those cycles can be broken and it doesn't have to continue on. You don't have to continue on just because. That's the way you grew up. That doesn't mean you have to stay that way or you don't, doesn't mean you can't better yourself or want something better for the next generation or whatever the case may be. And you can learn and there are organizations and people that will walk alongside you and help you, mentor you through this whole process because, you know, it goes basically down to one thing. Um, that I believe is the answer to all of this. And it's in your name. It's the gospel. When we come to uh, a relationship with Jesus Christ, all those things change. You know, the moment that I became a Christian, um, you know, it, it changed my, uh, whole outlook and my morals almost instantly. Whereas, uh, you know, I was a proponent or, Uh, was in agreement with abortion, that all changed because I understood the sanctity of life. Um, you know, it all changed about uh, addiction because I understood that there was hope and, um, you know, that, um, through Christ, all things are possible, you know, and, and that we could do it. Yeah, we couldn't do it on our own, couldn't change you know, uh, an addict's an addict for a reason, and it's beyond them. It's more powerful than themselves. But you throw in uh, God and godly people into your life and influences, and all of that can change. You know, it's it's interesting that um, these people who are telling you that it's not right, you know, that you require religious services, um, it, to me, it's, it's just the opposite without the religious services there's no point in doing what we do if if we're yep. not giving them the gospel which is the true power to change yeah. or the true power to rescue them out of their their addictions and their diseases and whatever the case may be then there is no point in doing it i know for us as an organization that's why early on i decided not to take any government funding or mm-hmm. accept insurances or any of that because uh it would fundamentally change uh, you know, the mission of our organization. And it's like, no, I, I'm not going to have any, uh, any governmental agency or whatever telling us what we can and can't say as far as the gospel goes. Because if we can't preach the gospel and tell them this is the power, uh, to change, it's in found in the gospel, then there's no point in us doing it. We'd be just like any other shelter or whatever else. Well and
0: here's the thing. So you know, we'll we get criticism on on you're forcing people to you're forcing a your religion on people. I, I go, well look, here one of the two of us is forcing something on the other. Okay. <laughs> and 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 so and 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 I'm not forcing it on anybody. No. In fact, I've just said we're a Christian. We're a Christian program. You're welcome to take part in it. By the way, if people hear this clunking going on in the background, we are in the Gospel Rescue Mission. We're, we're high atop the third floor of the Gospel Rescue <laughs> Mission, and there's housekeeping going on outside, and the guys just aren't very quiet right now. So you're in you're in mop buckets and stuff like that, getting drugged around the floor. Um, so pay no attention to the noises <laughs> in the background. Um, but um, But the other angle is, I'm only, I'm offering this one thing to anybody who wants it. Now, what, what the low barrier guys want is this. They want to force you, the taxpayer, to pay for their program. you want They want you, the taxpayer, to pay for their low barrier shelter that doesn't require any religious, anything like that. And so who's really getting forced? Because I don't want any more taxes. I mean, it's the one thing we all sit there and go, I pay enough, man. I mean, I am like, you want to know where I stand politically? I am just a hair to the left of taxation equals theft okay <laughs> it is it is like i am really really close to that so for me you know you're going to take my tax money first of all we're already spending tax money on a jillion other things that i did i disagree with abortion being one of them Absolutely. i'm tired of my money getting taken to things that i morally find reprehensible but then at the same time now you want me to, now you want me to sign off on you taking my money, creating an entire other—it's already a multi-billion-dollar industry, government-funded industry, just on the West Coast alone, just just between between L.A., uh, San Francisco. Portland and Seattle, you've got over three billion dollars a year, maybe four billion dollars a year being spent on on the homeless thing in government money, your taxes and mine, your tax dollars and mine, getting put into these things. And I don't want any more spent on that. I'd like to see the pothole fixed in my road. Right. You know?
1: You know, and and I would challenge any government official to do a cost-benefit analysis of what we do as Christian organizations as compared with money that we get compared to the money that a government agency would throw at a problem and i guarantee you if if organizations up and down the west coast had that same 3 or 4 billion dollars yeah. that these government agencies did and they yeah. allowed us just unchained us to yep. do what we do with it yep uh you know we, we would the impact would be huge you, compared to that. You cut homelessness in half. Exactly. You would cut
0: it in half overnight. And, yeah, absolutely. And the, the the thing is, is, and the great news is there, there have been studies done by it. They don't want the studies because here's, here's what it does, is it would it would actually undermine their right to take your money. In exactly. Their mind. Um, I mean, the fact is is that is that uh, Baylor University did a great study. Byron Johnson, he's the author of uh, More God, Less Crime. This is a statistician. This is what this guy does. He works for Baylor University, and uh, he did a he did a great um, a great survey on uh, comparing like uh, religious organizations versus. Um, versus non-religious organizations and who did better on solving the problem of of homelessness overall and uh, it was overwhelmingly more favorable to the what the religious organizations did and when they say religious organizations they don't mean they're they're, they're not talking about buddhist and and jewish and and muslim organizations they're talking about christian organizations and it, it's We're the ones doing it. And I'm not saying that those places don't exist, that there's not anybody out there that does something like that, but they are so rare. They're the exception and not the rule. But you can't go anywhere in the country and not find a gospel rescue mission, a U-turn for Christ, a a union gospel mission, uh, you know, some kind of gospel something or other uh, related Um, you know, some kind of Christian organization that's doing this kind of work. And because we can do it holistically, because we can, we can do wraparound care, real case management. I listen to people who'd work for DHS or for, or for, um, you know, some of the other uh, government uh, social services organizations, and they talk about these big caseloads they have. And and trust me, they all have big caseloads. But, but when you, when I ask, well, how often do you actually see these people? And they're like, oh yeah, we see them once a month or we see them you know on a real a real busy person might see them once a week you know and i'm going well man our our staff sees them from 8 to 5 monday through <laughs> friday and then is on the phone to them all hours for the rest of the time and and i mean we do in depth wrap around case management and we work with all those other organizations and we try and, you know, support them and, and, and try and be a a help in all those things. But ultimately what I want my, what I want all my residents to do is make so much money that they don't qualify for any of them. You know, I want them to be so successful that they don't need them. They don't qualify for them and they're just doing well. And, and they're still getting support on the other side because, well, what did I do? Well, I introduced them to a community of people that That is by their very nature, trying to make to the next day better than it was the day before. By their very nature, they see loving their neighbor as a way of of, of worshiping God. And so they they just simply, they, you know, by introducing them to the church, they are they are in, introduced to a community that's, you know, it's not perfect, but they're a, grou- they're a group of people that are all trying actively to do better in life. And they didn't have those friends when they came here.
1: No, right. and—, and- It only makes sense, you know, if you think about just a couple of verses in the Bible, if we would have followed those, there wouldn't be a need for what we do. First one is to obey your parents. If we would have obeyed our parents um, to begin with, uh, you know, a lot of the addiction, etc. would be gone. If we were to esteem others above ourselves um you know but we we are such a narcissistic society and it's all about me 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 and if we were to take our focus off of ourself and put it on other people and and serving something higher than ourselves that would take a care of a lot of the problem too and, and you know it's one of those things where just some of the simple basic tenets of christianity um you know are are powerful in changing lives yeah. and you know, part of the reason why I think, uh, you know, as we were talking about, uh, you know, dollar for dollar, what we do as compared to the government, it's part of it is is because it is so simple. And, you know, all of the administrative cost is probably, you know, a government-ran program as compared to ours. You know, it's probably 95% of the money.
0: Oh, come on. You can tell me just between us and the camera. You tell me you don't get PERS? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Retirement. What's that? Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Right. So they got this big unfunded uh, liability out there, you know, for all the state for the state and all of that. Whereas we couldn't do that, nor would we want to, because biblically, that's not being wise stewards of what God's given us to minister to these people with. So yeah, it it's just a whole different mindset uh that we have. Like I said in the one sense, um we require and demand and expect because we know people are capable of of something more than where they're in because they were created in the image of God. And secondly, we're held to a in a sense a higher level of accountability um by God because he's placed us in a position um, where we're going to have to answer to him for everything that we've been given and all the people that he's brought to us. So the sense of re- the overarching sense and weight of responsibility for somebody who administers a program like we do, I think is is much more than a governmental program, because um, let's face it, nobody's you know, uh, they came. Government coined the phrase uh, "plausible deniability" for a reason, right? Nobody's responsible for anything in the government. Right, just look right. at our politicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's just you know. I mean, that's the funny
0: thing is you. The, these most of these organizations that are that are going to be government funded. In fact, I can't think of one that's not. Um, are are paid uh or guaranteed their their future grant monies and stuff by how did they spend the last grant exactly. monies. And so they've got this idea, this inherent uh built in move towards inefficiency rather than efficiency. And then and then add to that that you know they're they're paid by numbers so so you know well you get this much in grant how many people did you help and so if you help this many people you get this much if you help this many people you get this much you know and let's just make it out to the person and then we just we just allot it out to that so they're going to do this they're going to keep as many people as they can moving through their program as many people as they can in in there because the numbers are how they get paid and and you know look i know that there are people who work in organizations like that that don't have a clue about any of that they just right. think they're doing a good deed they 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 really they really are what i would call the true believers you know in in what they're doing in in that sense and you know god bless them i i mean you know i i i think that those are good i think that that's what it's people like that that get a really high burnout rate in their organizations because of that because they see Because they are true believers and they see that they're contributing kind of to the problem rather than to the solution. But in yours and mine, I mean, look – you know, U Turn for Christ is going to be here. I mean, we either either U Turn for Christ or the Gospel Rescue Mission. We'd love nothing more than to see homelessness go away. I mean, if, if my, I get paid the same if I've got five guys in here, or if I've got fifty guys in right. here, or seventy five guys in here, it all pays me the same, and and I don't get paid more if we had a year with you know five hundred and fifty guys, or if we had a year with fifty guys. Right. Um, it, it's it's what i'm looking to do is be the guy that's there when when that person says i don't want to live like this anymore i want i want a way out of this and i've heard that the gospel rescue mission is a place to do that i've heard that a u turn for christ is a place to do that and and so I want them to come to us. I want to be there for them and be available for them. I want there to be a resource. I want this place to be what I would need had I been in their position. You know, I've always thought about it in those terms. So if, if I was in their spot, could I build my life out from here? And I do believe that that's what we've created, in, you know, in your organization and in mine. Um, so um, we'll wrap it up here because um, you and I can talk for hours and I'll probably come back. In fact, even this one, I'll probably have to break it into two parts and say some way. That's okay. So, let's let let's do this. Let me have you just give a plug for a for U-Turn for Christ. If somebody was looking to find out more about U-Turn for Christ, maybe they want to maybe they're going, "Man, that guy really struck some chords with me. I'd like to donate to that guy." Or uh, or maybe it's like, "Yeah, I want a place like that. I want to, I want to stay at a place like that." How do they get a hold of you?
1: Well, they could call our main ministry line, which is 541-295-5161, or check us out on our webpage, com or our Facebook page under the same name. And you know, the the bottom line with all of this is is um the thing that I was always drawn to about the ministry that I'm in, and the reason I'm drawn to um the um you know, the Gospel Rescue Mission and what you guys do is simply that we um, understand that, uh, as you put it earlier, we're not just a bunch of random cells, um, you know, that, uh, you know, dictate uh, uh, some responses to stimuli, but we understand that we were created in the image of god and that we want to uh help people be lifted out of their out of their life situation out of their poor choices knowing that god has something so much greater for them and that through christ all things are possible um you know and, and we're going to love them enough to do the hard work of holding them accountable and and helping them to become responsible and we're going to walk alongside them. we're not going to We're not going to, uh, you know, if they're doing what they need to do, we'll move mountains to make sure that these people are able to transition from, you know, homelessness or addiction to being a, uh, you know, a a responsible member in society. And, you know, as you gave the story of, of, you know, a restored family, that's what it's all about. You know, I've had the, the privilege of remarrying uh, a bunch of different couples that because of, you know, one of the spouse's poor choices, the other spouse had to take a stand and say, you know, I need to protect the kids. I need to protect myself. Ended up divorced, had other guys that were so institutionalized that, um, you know, they spent 22 out of the last 25 years in prison. And every time life would get too hard, they, w- hard, they would do something to go back, to prison for a year or so just to kind of take a break from society and to be able to help them break those chains, um, man, it's very powerful. And it's, uh, I know in my personal life, I wouldn't want somebody to make it, make me comfortable in poor decisions that I make. I want somebody to say, you know what, I'm going to help you, or, you know, I want to walk alongside you and help you make better decisions how to make better decisions, equip you to make better decisions, and I will be there every step of the way. And I really feel that's what the Gospel Rescue Mission does and U-Turn for Christ does. Um, but you're right, it does require, because as we were talking about earlier, for both of our organizations, it does require community support. It requires, because we don't have government block grants. We don't have all this thing. So everything that we do is all funded by People who say, you know, you're, what you do there is what, you know, I wish somebody would have done for my son before he overdosed, or, you know, I yeah. wish I would have known about it. And, and, or you know. maybe
0: because you're housing my son, you yeah. know, and keeping him from overdosing. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And, and so, you know, it's one of those things where for us, um, you know, the the financial piece of it's always going to be a struggle, and I don't really care because we're a ministry. We're not a business to make money, and I'm going to take anybody who walks through the door's Yep. Uh, regardless if they have money or don't have money or Amen. whatever, yep. you know, and let's be honest, most of the people who come through our doors wouldn't have the ability to pay for our services to begin with. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> so, yeah. so we require, you know, we, you know, it's one of those things we rely on, uh, you know, people to say you know what that's great we want to help out and and you know it's um, and at the
0: same time we try and be productive in our own ways as well Absolutely. you know i mean we do things like you know people go well i don't have any money but i've got some household goods that i can donate to exactly. you and uh, and if you can sell it and and make something then you go ahead you know you're saving me uh, you know, a weekend, uh, you know, a weekend yard sale. I don't, you know, I get my weekend back. You, you know, I'll get the tax write-off for the the item, you know, in my in my, you know, uh, for my receipt when I do my taxes at the end of the year. And you guys actually can turn it around and, and make it make it into something that works for you, either by uh, getting it directly to somebody in need or by selling it, you know, at a reasonable price for people who could only afford it at a reasonable price.
1: Yeah, that's so what. So those we- are
0: really cool because you have. Have the downtown, you have the 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 um, your thrift store downtown, right? And yeah. that's
1: what we well, and what we, we, what we do there is it provides something else too. Is for those that have no job history because they've always been on the streets or whatever, we can get them some uh, work experience. Sure. So. You know, because it's a lot easier to find a job if you have experience at a job. Yep, you know, yep. so so we'll provide that at the thrift store. And the other thing that we do is we have a program called Drive Away Addiction, which is similar where people can donate cars or boats or whatever. Then the men will fix them up or we'll train them on how to do basic mechanical work on their cars or whatever. So once they're out, they have those skills too. And then we fix those cars up. And then we sell them for support too. So it's kind of like the thrift store. Just you know, it's that's very cool. I, yeah.
0: I like it. You know, there's there's um, you know, it's what I love about Christian ministries, and especially Christian ministries when when we when we don't just um, feed off of the. Um, the the expected handout from the the government what it what it forces us to do is become creative, and and it forces us to to solve problems that go beyond just our problem of finance. Right. We we in fact what we find is that we can actually find other ways that we can benefit the community, and. Generate income out of the whole thing, and and maybe it's not enough to totally self-sustain us, but but those things still uh, help us. And, and what it says to us is we're not looking for just a handout for the sake of a handout. We're willing to contribute and give back to the community, ourselves, and and ultimately that's just so important. It's a it's a it's a reframing of the way we understand what is the purpose of our existence. You know, we're not, we're not just here. You're taking a person who's been living on the streets, who, who has really been just living in, uh, thinking in terms of, um, it's all about me. Yeah. So it's all about me and what I want and what I need and and I'll beg for other from other people's stuff, you know, whatever they might give me, but again, it's just for my consumption and uh, and I don't worry about any of the mess that I leave behind or or how I affect the neighborhood or the community or the cost associated to this community because of my bad choices or any of that kind of stuff. Here you got two organizations that are really determined to to be a blessing to that community and make these guys become and understand the value of becoming a blessing to the community. And that's so important. That's again perfect biblical, you know, worldview. You know, as you're look thinking of I think of like Jeremiah twenty nine when it's saying, you know, to seek the welfare of the city, um, because it's in their welfare that you'll be blessed. It's in their blessing you'll be blessed. And that's that's so important. Well, um all that said, uh, we've, again, we really have just gone really good. Uh, what I'd like to do is do this more often. Um, and, you know, we've got so many topics and so many things we Absolutely. can hit. Um, and I really appreciate you coming on and 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 talking with me. And uh, again, um, this is uh, with the Gospel Rescue Mission. You can find out about us at GrantsPassMission.org. You can check out our our YouTube channel. Uh, you can check out our uh, our Facebook page. And if there's something about this that you like, something that strikes a chord, uh, please share it with your friends. Subscribe if you're if you're watching us on YouTube. Please hit the like button and subscribe. If there's anything in, in this that we've said that, challenges you or that you disagree with, or that you, that really struck a chord and that you thought, man, I never thought about it like that. Please leave a comment. Um, we love to hear from you and we want to engage with you in, in these things. Um, maybe there's somebody, if you're listening across the country and there's, you, you're living in a town where they have a program like what we're talking about here and you go, man, we've got a program like that in our community. And you want to give a shout out, man, throw a link to their, to their, organization in there and, uh, in the comments as well. And, uh, we'd love to explore that. I'd love to reach out to maybe some of those and maybe we can sit down and talk, you know, and, and talk shop. Uh, anyways, God bless you. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.